St. Louis Public Radio's The Gateway gives you the day's news first thing every weekday morning. From the ever-evolving relationship between St. Louis City and County to developments in the Missouri and Illinois state capitals and reports from our correspondents in Rolla and the Metro East. We put it all in a roughly 10-minute package with clarity and context. Download The Gateway wherever you get podcasts. Hi, Nancy. Hi, Willis. We'd like to welcome everybody back to Cut and Paste, St. Louis Public Radio's arts and culture podcast. You know, we've covered a really wide range of topics in this podcast, and in our individual reporting, we really cover different subjects. Sometimes I focus on local music and -and up-and-coming young artists. Yeah, and I do a lot on theater and LGBTQ issues. And though our stuff is different, sometimes we really overlap in our reporting. Yeah, and one thing that's really captured both our attention and the attention of people all over the country, really, is the Prison Performing Arts Program. We've both covered the organization, which puts on plays with incarcerated people as performers and also does these shows in prisons. National outlets like This American Life and the New York Times have also shown an interest over the years. And you know, you can tell from the performances that the audience is really feeling it. You can do that piece of monologue, whether it's Shakespeare or something that we wrote. Look out in the audience and they're either cracking up or they might be crying. I love that clip of Lynn O'Brien, who was confined to prison for two years on a possession charge. Yeah, she's really great. You know, she was released over a decade ago, but she still participates in the prison's alumni performance troupe called the Second Acts Ensemble. She and Robert Morgan, who served five years for robbery, spoke with us about the influence of their mentors, current co-director Chris Limber and founder Agnes Wilcox, who died suddenly late last month. They both also spoke about why they stick with PPA even after being released from prison. But before we get to that, O'Brien recalls what it was like to be incarcerated at the Vandalia Women's Prison and to first come into contact with Wilcox. I, uh, along with a few other girls, we were looking down. Now we're talking about a circular building called the IAC, and there are like four walkways up. And we were already up there waiting We could see this tiny little woman with a wheel along and a briefcase coming up the hill, and it was a windy, windy day. And her coat was flapping a little bit, and she was just head down and up the hill. Then when she got up to the top of the hill, we saw what we call her Harry Potter glasses. (laughs) And it was just, and, and she was so diminutive, you know, so small, and and she looked frail, but the minute she opened her mouth, we knew looks are deceiving, because she was a lion. Yes, she, she was. And she looked was after her cubs very well. And of course, we're talking about Agnes, Agnes Wilcox. And the founder. She, so, uh, when I started to act, Agnes Wilcox was the director then. I first came in contact with it. I got incarcerated in uh, 2010. A friend of mine invited me to PPA. I never wanted to be on stage. I was too shy. What made you join it? Because I wanted to see how it worked. We have a cast now that we're with Lynn, I, Antonio. We are... Phenomenal. Phenomenal group. Amazing. I mean, (laughs) all of those things. Funny. <laughs> and, and an example of how coming out of prison and getting your life back together, because I don't want to uh, uh, 
was my first and last time going to prison. I should mention that when I was uh, in prison, I was in a wheelchair. So I'm thinking, well, eh, I'll go. I, I took English and Shakespeare and everything in school. I love Shakespeare. I wanted to be um, around it and see, you know, uh, and maybe I could give a little input, but I never, ever expected her to want me to act. And she did. She gave me a, a lead part. They used to know when she was coming because I'd go flying downhill or <laughs> <laughs> afterwards. They they allowed me to do my little joyride after every class, and I really liked it because I'd go shoom down the hill <laughs> and not get in trouble for it. She was very special. The group of women that she started out with were um, some had drug charges, some had uh, violent crimes, some um, were uh, not, not, you know. What you had. <laughs> she she didn't care about that. She wanted you to be who you n didn't know you could be, if that makes sense to you. In other words, she saw something in you that you didn't. And she would, like, pull it out gently, or if she had to, drag it out. Was there a moment that you felt like she was really doing that for you? Yeah. When she told me I could be in the play and I was in a wheelchair, and I thought, well, what the heck? And I'm supposed to be a king. Wow. A king doesn't rule from a wheelchair. And then I thought, well, okay, I'll, I'll, if she thinks I can do it, I'm going to do it. <laughs> and Robert, you were kind of nodding along throughout that. I'm curious, did you have a moment like that too, where you felt like she was drawing you out and asking you to be like the best version of yourself? Yes, yes, yes. Agnes was a, like a firecracker. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just dynamite because she would draw whatever it is out of you that she wanted that mm. you didn't know you had in you. When I met her, like you said, you had all these guys and a small woman. Mm -hmm. And she demanded respect. We gave her that and she gave it back to us. Mm -hmm. She told me to just be you, Robert. Just be you. You have to be. And she said, you know, it's, we all wear masks but you can remove your mask now and just be who you are. Because in jail, you got all these guys mm -hmm. around. Everybody wants to be uh, uh, hard, look mean, and just not let anybody see that sensitive side of them. But when you come to PPA, you can just be you. We're there for one common goal, to work together to get this play right, to make it perfect. And, and, and that's what she wanted. So... I was one of those individuals, like, I'm doing this radio interview now. Before I started PPA, you couldn't get me to talk in front of people, let alone talk on the radio, <laughs> you know. Uh, but she brought that out of me. Uh, she said, relax. You know, just just be you. And that's, that's what I was. I just went in there and was around all these guys, and I could just be myself. Uh, on the yard, it was something different. You had to put the mask back on, but I didn't. You know, guys, you going to PPA? What's up there? <laughs> Man, come up there and see. It's a beautiful thing. It, it changed. It, it transformed me. I mean, it, it, it gave me more confidence in myself, more self-respect for myself as well as others. Because when you're working with a group of people, it's, everybody has different attitudes. But when we come to PPA, 
we set all of that aside. You, we don't see uh, color. Uh, we don't see uh, if someone is gay or not. It doesn't make a difference who or what you are. And that's what, and everybody has each other's back. Mm-hmm. And that's what we work for, to get the play together on stage to be perfect. So the beginning of myself is the current production um, that the alumni group is is doing. Yes, do, ma'am. Do you have a little piece of that you could perform for us? Walking upright is hard. Knowing the truth of your history and your family's history makes walking upright hard. Knowing that women and children, black bones will make me moan. Knowing how this nation was built off the backs and bones of those who now lay in mass graves. Mass is now my mind shut sometimes. It's my eyes, mouth, ears open. And oh, what a difference the sound that comes out of it makes. Do I believe that to work hard in this country that I shall receive my just due? And working it is said that I should be content. Really. When one is not, it seems, they say he's like a hungry lion in the jungle. Yet on the streets, his kids are starving. But thinking, be fed a fish or become a fisherman of men and cast a net that will trap the trapper and expose the traps that he laid. Walking upright is hard. I'm curious how the, the confidence and the skills that you attain when you're part of Prison Performing Arts, how does that transfer and help you in your life on the outside? What Agnes gave us, we wanted to give back to somebody else. It may be nothing but a kind word. It may be nothing but a, an introduction to PPA. Um, it may be, it could be anything. It could be just, hey, how you doing? We used to uh, walk across the yard, and at the time we had the dog program. I wasn't in the program, but however, I did have the wonderful opportunity to have a dachshund that I was training, therapy training for touch. And I would have my wheelchair and the dog over my shoulder, and we would be spouting Shakespeare back and forth, going back and forth on the yard. What might those utterances have been, like just a couple lines? Oh, adieu. I shall see you anon, you know, that sort of thing, you know. To be and, or not to be, right, that is the question. Right, you know. <laughs> so each of you is involved in PPA in this alumni program. Mm-hmm. Um, Robert, why is that important to you to continue this work now? I want to continue this work because I want to really further this uh, acting in this stage. And, and it helps me focus. Uh, and that's what I've... Uh, had a problem with really focusing and, and, and keeping my attention at, 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 at the thing that I'm doing. Plus, Chris was telling me about the kids and how they're mm-hmm. bringing PPA into the schools. And I want to further that by helping the kids as well because uh, I think that's a, a good thing. And I think uh, introducing them to Shakespeare, because a lot of these kids now, they listen to rap music. If Hamlet was alive today, he'd be a rapper because... Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he's a very, very deep individual. And, he, and the things that he talked about or, or spoke about for his, uh, his social, political, and it's a lot of things that's going on today. And when we did Hip Hop Hamlet, we had to transform the words from the, from, from, from the 18th century up mm-hmm. until now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, and to do that was, was beautiful, to see how it just came to life. You know, like Hamlet. 2015, 
<laughs> you know, it, it was beautiful. Can you give me an example of, of, of some of that language and how it might have ended up in 2015? The soliloquy that he did to be or not to be. Oh. Uh, whether it's nobler to suffer the slings and arrows of outrageous fortune right. or to pick up arms against them and oppose them. So that being said like that, you, you think about it. Should I just lay back and do nothing, be part of the problem, or get up and do something and be part of the solution? If kids in schools today can really hear that, you know, because there's a lot of things that's going on out there, you're going to be part of the problem or part of the solution. And, and to get them involved in something like this, they say, each one, teach one. When I saw a friend of mine in PPA, I was curious about it. So when I came up there, I, I, I liked it. I didn't want to be on stage again. I didn't want to be on stage. But when I got on stage, I was bitten by the bug. But also regarding the hip-hop part of it, sometimes we would discuss what the lines meant and, yeah. and so on. Agnes would make sure that we understood what we were saying. Um, Not just repeating like lines, a, but um, really. There mm -hmm. might be a line about a bark, which is actually a small boat. Uh, if you don't know that, you don't know what you're talking about. She made sure that she educated us yeah. on the actual play from back to front so that we knew what we were saying, even though it was in Old English, some of it, some of it in regular language. Because this has been on my mind since you mentioned it earlier, Lynn, specifically with playing Lady Macbeth, you said you really enjoyed that character, right? Uh, I was curious, did you have any personal experiences that you drew on to kind of inform your portrayal of her? Um, not necessarily personal experience, but she did a few things that I would just have loved to do and gotten away with, <laughs> <laughs> which is really basic. I mean, you know, I could do it legitimately and get away with it and enjoy it and ha ha ha, you know, and not get in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> so sort of the things you always wanted to do, but you couldn't do them until you were Yeah, and character. things that you could say in old English that nobody could really... They might not grab the entire meaning, but you knew, I knew what I was saying. That's good. Robert, you talked about a couple, the leading role that you are doing with Chris. When you were playing Mr. Roberts, did you draw on any personal experiences to like kind of get in that character or find the exact emotions that you were intending to play? Well, I, I, I read the script, I memorized it, and, and I kind of, while reading the script, I have to kind of adjust to certain things in the script, no personal experiences at all. While reading the script, I have to really adjust myself to the character. Uh, no, no, no personal experience at all. It's just that when, when, when you read a character, when I read a character, and, and I get through uh, reading the script, I sit back and I think about what he would say or what kind of, not what, what the feeling is the character's trying to express at that particular time. But you enjoy your characters. I do. He, he when, when you started uh, being, um, actually, the words that you re read uh, um, and act out in um, the beginning for myself were written by a young man named Keith Freeman, mm -hmm. and um, an alumni member. And he, when you when you took the words and you processed the words. And you started having fun with it. I mean, you know, 
some of the like the childhood section and right, so right, on right. and so forth. And, you were, I mean, you got right into it. You didn't have a problem at all. No, no, because when when I did Mr. Roberts, uh, the part where Mr. Roberts, he wasn't supposed to get angry. Mm. They wanted to be soft and subtle. Mm-hmm. But I say the way he was talking to another one of his officers, it should have been an angry emotion. So when I did that angry emotion, Chris was like, wow, keep it right there. Mm-hmm. Keep keep that emotion right there. And so when the audience uh, came and they saw that emotion, a lot of guys had been in the military, right? And they said, man, when you did that part, it felt like I was back in the military because that's the way some of the lieutenants and the captains talked to the, the, the officers. And he said, you, you, you made me believe that you were the captain. <laughs> he, he seriously, he said, man, he said, I don't know what it is. Uh, his name was Robert Morgan as well. And we, we really? did some stage plays together uh, in Bowling Green and PPA. And he said, you've grown so much. He said, you really made me feel like I was back in the military. And that's what I try to convey when I'm on stage. I want them to feel that emotion mm. uh, that the character is portraying. And, and and Chris always told me, once you draw an audience in and they, and they, and they, and they feel that emotion, you're doing a good job. And that's, and that's when I say I, that, that confidence shot straight up. <laughs> yeah, and you can do that piece of monologue whether it's Shakespeare or something that we wrote or whatever, and you look out in the audience and they're either cracking up or they might be crying. <laughs> it depends. But if you bring a cheer, uh, you've done your job. If you make them laugh, you've done your job. I um, remember doing a theater crawl, and one of my lines was a little bit weird for uh, uh, some people, but... I, I, uh, one of my lines was, I am an Afrocentric mid-60s white woman. <laughs> and after the Granville Square crawl, um, and so on, we, um, I had three women who were in their mid-60s, um, considerably wealthier than I am, and, uh, leaned over and said, I am too. They didn't want anybody to hear. I'm sorry. And walked out the door without skipping a beat. And I just, like, leaned back in the chair and looked at my co- cohorts and said, man, I did it. Yeah, they laughed. They, they got they, it. They, they got, boy, they bust on Oh, and, and, and they we really did it, did. like, last really week did. for our birthday bash for the Bard, and everybody just cracked up. And it... it Kind of, when I wrote that line, it, it wasn't really supposed to, well, it, it is that funny. I, I wrote it because um, we, we, our, our, our play is um, very much in tune with social justice and different, you know, things, conceptions that people have about other people and about people who have been locked up. They have... A lot of people have a set conception that they really, you know, well, okay, they did their time. I hope they'll be okay, yada, yada, and, and leave it alone, and us alone. And we we would like them to know that, you know, you probably would rather have us as a neighbor as the one you have now. We're good. We're, we're, we're out here. 
we're doing what Agnes, what what it was her dream to do and pass everything on, and Chris. Uh, I mean, I don't. I it just amazes me that you can go all in and get so much back. I mean, I have people walking up to me sometimes say, "I saw you," and I say, "Oh well, uh, thank you," and I kind of like don't know what to say because I get really embarrassed. I like. But anyway, it, it, it's been a really good ride. And um, I say very often that we are all collectively and alone walking the road to redemption. You know, don't play us short because we're still in it to win it. We're going to be somebody. We have become somebody. And we are going to keep on doing that. We're going to give what we received. Yeah, that's, that's true. That's so true. That was Prison Performing Arts alumni and the Second Acts Ensemble performers Lynn O'Brien and Robert Morgan. They were talking about the effect that PPA founder, the late Agnes Wilcox, and co-director Chris Limber had on their lives. They also talked about their current performance, The Beginning for Myself. This is Cut and Paste, St. Louis Public Radio's arts and culture podcast. Produced by Nancy Fowler and Willis Ryder Arnold. With help from our editor, David Casares. Local producer Trifecta made the music that you heard throughout the episode. You can find Cut and Paste at stlpublicradio.org or wherever you get your podcasts. St. Louis Public Radio's podcast series, Cut and Paste, is made possible by space, architects, designers, and builders, creating St. Louis's favorite spaces. 